The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, AJ Knight here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for tuning in joining us on a Wednesday whether it's on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, or streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Hey, which, by the way, go check out the website. Uh, great podcasts there over past episodes. We had a ton of fun yesterday. Oh, I agree. That was so much Completely. fun. It was a blast. A uh, great hour of radio, especially that first hour. Um, you also find Gary Anderson's press conference in its entirety there. You can listen to everything he had to say. Don't just take our word for what he had to say or read in the paper. You can... Uh, listen and make up your own decisions based on what he had to say. Uh, But there's also information there about uh, uh, the high school sports upcoming season. Friday. Schedules are out. We have the schedules posted where you can listen to games, who's playing where, and on what radio stations, and links to listen online. And we're also going to be doing a pick'em contest, similar to what we did last year. Uh, You get to go through and see the different contests, see who's playing whom, and if you get the most points right on who you pick, you could win a prize. So this week, uh, there were just a few bugs in the system trying to get things worked out. So you can participate this week. We're not going to do uh, a prize this week, but next week we'll be uh, we'll be full speed ahead on that. So feel free to register for that. Start getting involved. Start checking it out. To get your account set up, and uh, we'll be a lot of fun. We'll we'll check in with each other how well we do as the season goes along. But uh, feel free to check that out and, and register and make your picks uh, for the games coming up this season. Uh, speaking of high school games, uh, just seeing this from uh, – now where did it go? Uh, I had it just in front of me. There is a game that was supposed to be taking place. Uh, Friday's game against from uh, well Bingham versus Weber. It's been canceled. Three Bingham players tested positive. For COVID-19. It's according to uh, Jordan School District that officials. So there's a possibility we're going to see more of that. Games get postponed or canceled. Uh, UHSAA says it's going to happen. It's probably going to take place throughout the season. Um, but when it comes down to it, it, it shouldn't really affect your RPI. Um, and it won't affect the standings at the end of the year. I mean, potentially, if you're going to play a really good school and you beat said school, it's going to really help your RPI, but it shouldn't hurt your RPI uh, based on games played. So if one school plays a lot of games and another school only plays a handful of games, they still just look at your uh, your win percentage and a lot of some of those other factors. So it won't negatively affect schools when it comes to the postseason. But uh, for high school football, first casualty of COVID-19. <sighs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> I have to be honest, the season kind of snuck up on me because it's just been kind of a blur. And then I was all this stuff trying to focus on college football. I was like, oh, high school football is here. Yeah. <laughs> it's Friday. Do it. Seen a lot of the kids out practicing, doing scrimmages. Lights are on at the football fields late as they're getting ready for their upcoming seasons. So uh, we're going to do a little bit of a Mountain Crest preview today, too. I am ready. Yes. Excellent. So uh, we'll be doing that also this hour. Um, some more comments from Gary Anderson. We talked uh, a lot about that. Thank goodness you had access to him. He has shed so much light on this. For I think really because like we talked a little bit about it. Scott Frost and the coaches. I don't feel like not that they haven't 
like giving us some information, but it's mostly like we want to play. And I feel like Anderson having all these this press conferences really put it into a good perspective. Be like, okay, this is what happened. This is why. Here's the problems with spring. Here's what's going on with recruiting. I don't think we've had access to that information. No. Well, and some of the real big questions too are, have been some of the criticisms of not playing is that. The, these players will be at greater risk, not being in a controlled environment, right. controlled schedules, regular nutrition, regular testing, uh, curfews, things like that. But Gary today said that they do have a plan for his uh, his football team this fall. When they return to campus at the end of August, they have a plan to keep them engaged. Here's what he had to say earlier today. Our plan is this, and we put this plan together again very quickly, so it's uh, it's subject to be tweaked for sure, but we were going to bring the kids back August 31st. That's the first day of school. They'll have two weeks to get acclimated to school. Uh, we are going to up their academic load. We want them to go from if they were going to carry 12 hours, we want to carry a minimum of 15 hours. Uh, we had, you know, a lot of the school is online, but a lot of Utah State is not online right now, and so we are going to strongly uh, encourage and quite frankly we're going to put our kids into as many classes as we can that are um, in-person classes, whatever that looks like in the different classes that they're going through. Uh, we need that. We need our we need our student athletes to get in front of a professor and uh, get around other students and, and be part of the general student population. I think it's a huge part of just growing up and, and understanding life and, and a huge part of college. So uh, we're going to up their academic load and we're going to try to get them in as much uh, I guess, standard class procedure that we can possibly get them into. And then two weeks into the semester, we will start an off-season program, much like we would start uh, in January. And those cycles are usually seven to eight weeks with our strength coaches. And that's what we have today, and so that's what we're going to go with. Um, I would be hopeful as we go through time that there's a, a time when the NCA comes out and says that we have uh, some sort of uh, you know spring ball type practices in the fall. Um, I think that would be fantastic. And whether that's an OTA format similar to the NFL, like we've kind of done through the last few weeks here, uh, and and that's the opportunity we get, or it's a a true spring ball scenario that uh, these kids would obviously be ready for at that point. Uh, We have an indoor, so we've got a huge advantage when it comes to that. In the winter months, we could handle that, and we'd be great. So I'm hopeful that we, we have the opportunity. And then off the field, you know, as much as we always do, as much as we can, we're we're gonna. Our kids are taken care of. The university, President Cockett, um, John Hartwell, Jerry Bowie, the whole academic department or athletic department, and the university as a whole has done a great job of, you know, putting our kids in a position to. Nothing's changed for them from a scholarship standpoint. Nothing's changed for the opportunities for what our walk-ons get, which is they're very well taken care of. So that'll be standard operating procedure. Um, uh, but you know, our coaches are going to be around them a lot. And we need to find things to do, and hopefully we have an opportunity to practice, but it'll be a similar, just a, like I said, an off-season program, uh, similar to what we get in January, starting the middle of September. Wouldn't that be more up to the Mountain West? Because if the NCAA is not going to stop the schools from playing, it's then the conference to decide it. Isn't it on the conference to decide if you can have spring ball, basically? Yeah. It, it's, it is a little strange. But if the... Uh, it, uh, yeah, I don't know because if there's uncertainty about what if you're going to even have a conference schedule in the spring, right? I 
if you are going to have a conference schedule in the spring, I would suspect you would need to have that development because you didn't get it this spring, 2020. Right, scratch. So just shift that to the fall of 2020 yeah. and do your schedule in spring of 21. But basically, it's it's workouts, it's strength and conditioning um, that they'll do and with the hope that they can get into some kind of a spring schedule, which would allow more scrimmages, running plays, team activities. Um which I would hope could be the case, because if not, that's really going to suck when you're just sitting around hitting the gym and that's it, and then you're watching the, the TV on Saturdays watching college football in yeah. other parts of the country, yeah. and you can't do anything about it. I think that's why and it makes a lot of sense we're saying to try and keep them focused, but I, I would think, I don't understand, and, and, and obviously Gary Anderson absolutely does, but I would think so if the NCAA is going to let the season go on, I would think you should be able to do some sort of spring thing because football's being played. The conference just decided it wasn't safe, and I would think a big part of that is the travel and such. So let them have their scrimmages. I don't. I feel like that's uh, an interesting. I just assumed that they were going to. But here's on the other hand: if you're going to allow scrimmages, contact and scrimmages, why can't you allow a game? I guess that's if uh, yeah. if you're going to allow contact in that kind of situation where you got a lot of guys going at each other in close contact, it's no different than saying we're just going to have a regular game. So, I don't I don't know, Eric. I'm on board know. with the fact that it shouldn't be canceled. That's just me personally, but <laughs> that's a fair. I mean, Devil's Advocate point. That's a fair point. I guess you could make. I guess, um, I I it. I get that the the argument is the safety, but the at, at that point, if you can't even let them do scrimmage and stuff, you're just immensely punishing the athletes who have come to Mountain West schools. Like you can't, you just you all you get to do is go to school and go to the gym. Well, that and how would, many players ugh. decide to transfer? You know, I don't know what the next year or the year after that's going to look like for me. But Conference USA schools, American Athletic schools, Sun Belt schools, they're still going on a regular calendar schedule. Yeah, and I'm just. I don't know what's going on here, how it's going to affect my clock, my calendar, my opportunity. So is it worth it for me to stick around? Well, and you made a good point uh, at the beginning, talking about some of Anderson's comments about uh, potentially putting in a graduate transfer situation. I mean, I think that's part of the reason. I think it's to keep him busy and to take uh, or advantage of the free time, but him talking about raising the class load, maybe he's just trying to do right by his students. We have this free time. Let's try and accelerate your your academic clock to get you to the point where if you decide that's what's best for you, we totally understand because we don't have football for you right now. Yeah. Uh, so many unknowns. Uh, one thing that that is uh, that was kind of shed some light on today was, um, you know, how much involvement did like Noel Cockett at the university level, uh, who was on the board of directors for the Mountain West, how much did she engage with Gary Anderson and John right. Hartwell? We're learning today the Pac-12 apparently didn't engage with their athletic people very much at all. Nope. But uh, Gary shed some light on that, how how involved he was, at least giving his advice or uh, suggestions about some of the decisions that got made. Oh, very involved with within our circle here at Utah State. Um, you know, I, I thought a president did a... President Cockett did an amazing job of communicating with, I know, all of the uh, the staff, in my opinion. I know with me it was it was great communication. With John, it was 
great communication, Jerry Bovey. You know, so administration standpoint here, just in our our section of Utah State, I thought we had great communication and um, for what we knew um, and what we could gather. So it, that was very good. I would say that uh, you know the communication with the league and the head coaches was the, the league did their best. I mean, we had head coaches meetings continually once a week for a long period of time, and um, you know at the end we didn't really have a say when it came down to. You know, commissioners meeting uh, with uh, with the ads and with the presidents. I mean, the head coaches weren't involved in that scenario or situation. And uh, but you know, that's that's not that's not our role. That's not where we're at. So uh, our role was my role was involved more so here at Utah State level, and then uh, with the head coaches in the league. And you know, I don't look back at that and say that uh, communication would have been any different. I thought it was uh, about what it could be. And I tried to educate and help as much as I could and as much as I was asked to. Okay. I mean, I I would hope so. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think that is in stark contrast to what we're hearing about the Pac-12. Even the Big Ten, to a certain extent, I feel like the coaches are kind of making it kind of clear. Like, we didn't feel like we got much of a say at all. Yeah, that's true. It's like Scott Frost and Ryan Day are like, we want to play. Let's, let's do this. You didn't talk to us. You didn't consult us. Granted, the, the school presidents don't necessarily have to, but I mean, it, it affects your biggest front porch of the house. Yeah. It's college football. Well, I'd like to think even as a president, you'd be intelligent enough to be like, I have no idea. Let me go talk to the person who knows what's, what the really is at stake here. Yeah. The financial implications, everything else. Uh, and just can you, as a coach, can you safely manage this with your team? Right. And with your staff? Can you safely do this? And if the coach gives them, you know, whatever answer, they can give the, take that back to the to their other presidents. We feel good about how we can handle this. Or, you know what, he gave me some answers, but I don't know if I really trust what he has to say. Right. Uh, one of the things that we talked about is that the other implication with this decision and how it affects Gary Anderson at Utah State is how do they handle recruiting? Yes. Because right? the lowered FCS – uh, it's affected them. A lot of junior colleges are canceling. Uh, a lot of high schools, sports in a lot of other states are being shut down. So how does Kerry and his and his crew handle recruiting? And what do you recruit to right now? Do you actively recruit an incoming freshman class? Or do you just let a year go by without it? So here's what Gary had to say <laughs> yeah. about uh, recruiting in this environment. Yeah, I, I would love to see, um, just, just me speaking again, it affects us in a big way. Now, we don't have many spots left to give, but obviously our valuations of our seniors are extremely important. Um, the missed time that we've already had to be able to get kids on campus. You know, our theory is we want to get eye-to-eye, face-to-face, and make sure that uh, they see us and understand who we are, what Cash Valley is, what our coaching staff's about, what Utah State University is about, and, and what uh, what it means to be a student-athlete at Utah State as a whole. And you can't do that over the phone. You can't do that over Zoom. Um, so we are, you know, we're basically in a spot to where uh, we're very selective right now as far as our numbers because we don't have a lot so, uh, to give, so we're fortunate that way. But it's definitely put uh, uh, recruiting in a tough spot. Uh, moving forward with not being able to evaluate them in the, in, the, in the fall, you know, that's just another piece of it. Um, the, N- the NFL is going to have to deal with that with every kid that plays in the Mountain West, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and so on right now that aren't going to play football. They're going to have to deal without that senior evaluation. So we'll get through all those things. I would like to see the states that are playing football and 
again, probably not real popular in the coaching world if I if I say this, but I I would love to see the uh, NCA say just for the sake of the high school kids that if for us here in Utah, let us go to high school football games. Let us show face at those high school football games. Is it really going to make that big of a difference and be that big of a recruiting advantage because we're going to go sit in the stands and watch a recruit play? No, I don't think so. But more importantly, let every kid on that team have a college football coach in the stadium with him right now. I think that would be a really cool thing. Those that are playing, um, will that happen? I have no idea. I'm not going to make that decision. But, gosh, I'd like to get in front of kids and just – you know, selfishly, I'd watch. I'd love to watch a high school football game, but I'd like to be there and have our staff be there for the kids in Utah to be able to see. I'd love to see BYU in the stands and Utah in the stands and Southern Utah in the stands and Dixie State and Weber State and Snow College. I'd love to see them all in the stands watching these high school kids play football. Yeah, well, why can't the NCAA say you know, travel is going to be restricted? But if it's in your state or if it's in your region, then yes, you can still visit them. Makes sense to me. I mean, because again, as Lee said, so I, I know that the conference is separate from the state, but why is it that high school can play and college can't and all that? And I mean, again, especially I think his point is true because do we know that the season's going to run its course? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, there's no guarantee on that. Already one school or one game in Utah has been canceled. That's what I'm saying. So, and I think I think he I like that he made the point about the kids, and and I I think he he believes that too. But I remember um, when I was in high school, there was a there was a kid who played wide receiver for a different high school, and they came down and played my high school, and he was a really highly recruited basketball player. And Matt Painter from Purdue came to the game to see him play. Um, it was recruiting. I don't. I. I don't think he didn't commit any violations because no Purdue had gotten in trouble for it. But it was such a big deal. Like the. It was just a different energy in the stadium because he was there. And that was for basketball. So I think it would just be a cool thing if it, Gary Anderson or any of the other. He mentioned all the other Utah programs. I think it would just be a cool thing for the kids in general in a year where it hasn't been great. The end of last year kind of stunk. Hopefully this year is better, but I think it would be a cool thing just in general, not even for the football aspect, if he was able to do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Somebody, some representative from those schools to still be able to recruit in person if the if there's games going on uh, in your state. He's not playing you know, football. Having, so. Have some restrictions. Like, you know, if, uh, if Florida were – well, Florida, I believe, is playing high school football this fall, if I'm not mistaken – uh, say that they are, just for sake of argument. Um, I know that's a, a recruiting hotbed for Utah State. They pull kids out of Florida. But the NCAA may frown on a bunch of coaches flying all over to, to Florida and people from Florida not wanting people from Utah to come in or vice versa. Right. And say, look, keep it regional. Keep it within, I don't know, 200, 500 miles of your home base. If you can drive to there and, and be back in a day, so you can recruit up into Idaho, but uh, just keep it regional and just say we got to limit travel on a plane. Uh, but if they're playing high school football, you can still recruit them in person. Yeah, I think that would be legitimate, especially with all the hiccups as you mentioned. Or basically, almost every surrounding state of Utah is not playing high school football. I think it would be a smart year to make some compromises. But again, as we found, I mean, as the 
if we know anything about the NCAA, they'll probably give a half answer, and it's like, okay, that really didn't solve anything. <laughs> it doesn't really do anything. Uh, one of the things we talked about last hour, and and Gary goes into a little bit greater detail, is that there's concern about seniors, right? Yeah. Do they lose their season? Do they lose their last opportunity? Do they get an op- another opportunity? Uh, do schools really give them that extra opportunity, even if they have that chance to do so? Uh, so Gary is he's concerned about his seniors and and the effect this uh, cancellation could have on them. You know, we need, we as a, a football world and all the leaders of these young men that we coach in the world of football right now, we need to quickly get direction for these seniors. We, we cannot sit back and just say, well, we're going to maybe play spring ball and we're going to look at this for the next three or four months and figure out how we're going to maybe play spring ball or quite frankly, even a month. If that's on the table, then those discussions should be being had today and a plan needs to be put out quickly for these seniors. Um, the underclassmen, they're the underclassmen, and we'll, they'll, they'll understand the plan and they'll go forward with it. But we have seniors making decisions that uh, we've got to make quick decisions to help them understand exactly what's going to take place uh, for, for a number of reasons. So I, I worry about those kids the most because they've had it taken away from them now and there's no certain return, whether that be spring, whether that be next fall, um, how each – uh, conference, how each individual university deals with the ability to bring back seniors. Just because the NCAA said, okay, you can have another senior year, that does not guarantee that you're going to be given the opportunity, as we learned last spring um, when it happened with the uh, with the spring sports, you're not guaranteed the opportunity to go back to your university and be able to play your senior year. And if that's the case, every kid needs an opportunity and a timeline to be able to go out and um, – have an opportunity to put themselves out there and possibly play for another university. We all owe that to every senior, and the timing needs to be done quickly to give them that opportunity as we move through the next weeks here. Again, that's just my opinion. Yeah, it's tough. It's, I feel for all those athletes who lost their seasons in the spring, uh, it, it's highly unlikely any of them are going to really get another year, another opportunity to play. It's going to unfold not just with football but a lot of other fall sports um and uh i hope they can figure out some mechanism that could still give them opportunities uh, whether it's treating him like grad transfers where they could move around a little bit easier because schools are going to have holes uh, but it's going to be hard you're going to have guys that just won't won't have an opportunity to play they'll just their senior year their last year to, to show out and try to make it to the nfl or the, even the, the lower, you know, CFL or even the XFL, you know, opportunities to play at the next level, it's going to be really, really hard for them. He, he now get Coach Anderson's ext- uh, exactly right because you know you can't yo-yo these kids around. They're trying to make decisions that are going to have ramifications the rest of their life, and so. And I'm glad he t- mentioned the spring sports because that's true. I mean, the, the NCAA said they can have an extra year, and schools are like, we can't mess up our clock, so sorry, bye. And so you gotta, they gotta make a plan and play. And that's again, that's that's the problem is that I feel like the conferences, the Big Ten and Pac-12, well, we're gonna play in spring. We'll see. I have my doubts that you actually put plans in place. What's the NFL schedule gonna be? Uh, it, he's <laughs> this year could really go bad. It has not gotten. It's continuing to trend downhill because of the lack of leadership. And he that might be one of his best points. Talking about the recruiting and all that, because the even if you give an extra year, the we already went over the nightmares it could cause in terms of all the money 
personnel, space. But now this, I mean, yeah, it's it makes me really up. It makes me really sad and upset because like, these kids, uh, you work. They got into what is it? One percent of one percent. One percent of high school kids get into Division One schools, and one percent of that one percent will make it to the NFL. And the the one percent that made it to senior years should be their year. May not get anything. Yeah, yeah, man, frustrating. Um, the NCAA did say today, as we mentioned, that they're that if if a player opts out, they should be given another opportunity, another year of eligibility. If they miss more than 50% because of the season gets canceled or whatever, they should be given another opportunity. So, But they haven't said anything about expanding roster sizes nope. or how to handle a, a larger-than-normal roster because you have your seniors coming back. They haven't addressed that. They're just saying the nice things without saying, well, this is how you actually implement these yeah. nice things. Yeah. Again, I mean, to if you miss the clip, I think, Guaranteed to capture perfectly if you so if you bring back every player so seniors are seniors all the way down but you still have to recruit all of a sudden your freshman class is forty five guys so by the time they graduate you can't recruit forty five guys not to mention if you bring back I don't know how many available scholarships they have from seniors last year if they don't expand rosters you you already brought in the class you have to cut people you have to cut the class what do you do it's not it's not a full solution it's a step in the direction right it's at least. I guess opening the door for something to take place, but it's still not giving that great leadership direction that continues to be lacking from the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, one last thing here from Gary Anderson, and then we'll move on because we have uh, we want to get previews for the Mountain Crest Mustangs in their upcoming high school football season. Utah Jazz are in action tomorrow afternoon, and we'll look at the updated seating in the NBA and. Really, honestly, the Jazz seem to be trying to play a game here about where they want to end up in the seeding. Is it paying off, and who do they really want to go up against? So we'll get into that as well. But before we do that, the last question I asked Gary, there have been a lot of uncertainty going on in that in that locker room. Right. Not just with coronavirus and how it's affecting schedules and fall play and the fall schedule and non-conference, conference, whatever. It started with the social uh, issues going on around the country. A player posted some things on social media, uh, doubled down on his opinion, caused problems in the locker room, caused division. That player got pseudo-suspended. Uh, they were talking with the players about it, trying to deal with th- those issues. Then uh, quarterback transfer happens, bringing a quarterback from Utah. When you already had a quarterback that was going to pretty much walk into their role that everybody was excited to see. The next day, he transfers out. So now there's division in the locker room about bringing in transfers versus the kids that have been in there and tried to earn their stripes for that opportunity. So there's been a lot of discord in the USU locker room outside of uncertainty with Everything COVID and coronavirus. Yeah. And then he had the Mountain West United. And so there's there's been a lot of concern in the locker room. And so I asked Gary about that and trying to deal with those situations amid all the other uncertainty that's been going on. It's been a very conflicting time for kids in, in many ways, and we've gone through it. Uh, I think it, in, in the end of all these scenarios and situations, we've, we've done our best to do what we do as coaches, and our number, one, our number one responsibility is to educate and take care of young men, and that's exactly what we've done with every scenario that goes through. I mean, each one of those 
are, are different situations and, and scenarios that have popped up. But, uh, you know, I think these kids have, have, have handled it well. Um, you know, we've discussed a lot of things as a football team that we've gone through this, and uh, these kids are going to remember 2020. Uh, everyone in the world that's alive today that can remember 2020 is going to remember 2020 for a lot of different ways, and I know our kids will. Uh, I, I hope we're better for it because we've discussed things. We've learned how to handle, handle problems, issues, scenarios, and, and, and talk it out, which I think is the best thing that we've we've had discussions um, as a whole football team. So I'm proud of the way these kids have grown. I'm proud of the way they've developed. I don't like what's been taken away from them, but uh, they understand that it's probably the best interest for them that uh, they're not playing right now. And, and I think we've grown as, as individuals and young men. I know I've grown as a coach through this time. Um, there's no doubt that I think I'm, I know I'm a better coach and I know our assistants are all better coaches because of these hard situations that we've, what we've gone through, um, you know, it's just it's it's been a tough time, but we've worked through it as a staff, and I think we've uh, done a great job for the most part. And I think that our uh, our team has handled it well, and you know we'll uh, we'll continue to react to what comes next. <laughs> so, bottom line is that they've had a lot of talks as a team, as they should, as they should. I right. mean, I, I guess I didn't expect them to totally take us into it because a locker room's a locker room. So right. I get yeah, that. A lot of that's just, you know, between players and in the locker room. But I, I can't imagine it's been an easy couple of months at all. I mean, for any program, but especially for Utah State. Um, it's a strange, strange time. Uh, Gary's trying to pull that team together, keep them together. Um, it, I can't, I don't envy him at all for being in that position. No. As I said, it would be tough. It's tough already dealing with all that's going on for every school and then having to deal with that and, you know, the trying to bounce back after first season I think was underwhelming in a lot of fans' eyes. It's yeah, basically almost every problem you can put on a coach's plate, I think he's dealing with right now. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay, so if you want to hear the whole Gary Anderson press conference in its entirety, we already have it posted on 1069thefan.com. Just go to the podcast section, and you can listen to it. It's about 20, 22 minutes long, and you can hear everything about recruiting and the reaction to the announcement, his involvement and with Noel Cockett on the decision-making, uh, how it affects you know, recruiting, his opinions about playing in the, in the spring. It's all there. You can listen to it in its entirety. Uh, we're going to take a time out here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, let's talk about the Mountain Crest Mustangs. They are beginning their fall season this Friday. They open uh, their, their fall football season up, and uh, we'll learn more about them. AJ does the play-by-play for the Mustangs, so yes. we'll find a little bit more about them. And then we'll also talk about the NBA. The seeding is getting a little bit closer here. We're nearing the end of the bubble, the seeding games. Where do the Jazz currently sit? Where do they want to sit when it's all said and done? Who is the best opponent for them to uh, get this playoffs going? And really, is one better than another? 
Uh, we'll discuss and debate coming up next on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and RJ Selvison. If you want to fund gymnastics, if you want to fund volleyball, oh, if you want to no, fund no, scholarships screw for the funding, screw the women's funding. basketball, We're talking about you need college health. football to no. happen. If we are so worried about money, Eric, then let's start donating to Utah State. They have a great athletics donation department up there. That's where the money should come from, is the wonderful Aggie fans who are loyal and Aggie Nation. Weekdays from 4 to 6. On Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. You're on vacation and your vehicle breaks down. Nothing can be worse. What can you do? This may have been avoided if you went to A1 Automotive for a pre-trip checkup. A1 Automotive will give your car the once-over so you can prevent a disaster. And they offer a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty and roadside assistance. Online at A1AutomotivePerformance.com. A1 Automotive is so busy, they need experienced automotive techs. If you're looking for a change of scenery, give them a call or drop off your resume at the shop on 10th West. Daryl's Appliance provides the best repair service. Daryl's techs are trained to pre-diagnose your repair problem before they arrive at your home, so it can be completed on their first trip. As a plus, Daryl's parts department is stocked from A to Z for you do-it-yourselfers, and Daryl's has used parts to save you money. Dishwasher baskets, bake elements, microwave trays, and more. For sales and service since 1970, it's Daryl's Appliance, west on Airport Road. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. High school football underway this Friday. It's already here. Green Canyon opens on the road at Tooele. Bear River is at Juan Diego. Skyview is at home hosting Stansbury. Logan is hosting Provo. Ridgeline will be playing Pineview, but that game will actually be played at Westlake. That's down in Saratoga Springs. And a little bit earlier kickoff time than normal. I believe it's going to start at 6, not 7. And then the Mountain Crest Mustangs open in Hiram as they host Salem Hills. Uh, We've had a chance to get previews for a lot of these other teams. And uh, we're going to spend some time now finding out about the Mustangs. Uh, AJ, you do the play-by-play for the Mountain Crest Mustangs. You've been doing that for a little while. Uh, this is an interesting team that always plays tough, and they always play physical, and they always give themselves a chance to be there because of their physical nature and how well they are on defense. But there always seem to be questions, do they have enough offense to still be in the game? Well, that's uh, <laughs> not going to change this year because uh, last year, obviously, Hunter Schroeder was the Mountain Crest offense. He carried the ball over 250 times for over 1,500 yards. Not to mention was one of their middle linebackers. I think he was the second leading tackler, so he graduated. Uh, but on top of that, they had an inexperienced quarterback last year who is not uh, who graduated, and their top two through six pass catchers are all gone. Oh, so the top running back, the pass, uh, the quarterback, and the top receivers have all bolted. I know they've got. Uh, uh, quarterback battle going on right now on top of having to uh, maneuver in some new wide receivers. So the offense is going to be uh, have a lot of new faces this year on a unit last year that really struggled. I think uh, early in the season, Coach Lee was interviewed, and he said our biggest problem was we could move well between 20 to 20, but once we got inside the 20, we couldn't convert. And I think that was just that's a sign of the inexperience that they had at the quarterback position because it's a lot easier to slow down a running back if you know he's coming. Right, right. Um, 
On the defensive side, I mean, they returned five starters on both sides of the ball, but they rotate a lot of defenders. Uh, they had 11 players with at least one sack last year, and even Coach Lee said, you know, we rotate eight or nine guys, so normally, even if starters don't come back, we have guys with experience, and so the the secondary is going to be a little bit different. Both safeties, Camden Olsen and Mason Baldwin, graduated, um, and Baldwin actually tied for the team lead with interceptions. Um, but uh, the front seven, I think, is going to be solid with uh, Elijah Jackson and Veter coming back. They had 10 sacks apiece last year. Uh, Fogler had six sacks. And so the front seven, I think, will be solid, even with only five returning starters. The secondary is going to have some new faces. But if there's one thing I think you know about Mountain Crest, defense is usually pretty solid in Hiram season in and season out. Now, it, it, you talked about this the other day, that it's a team that uh, wrestling is a very, very important sport. In Hiram at Mountain Crest High School, a lot of that translates over into the football field. Uh, they're physically strong; they they can grapple with anybody, and uh, they're always going to be in there being very aggressive and, and physical. Uh, the the question has always been, you know, on that offensive side. So I don't think there's been many questions about Mountain Crest defensively. It really seems to rest on where they're going to be offensively. Yeah, I mean, a second season in a row, they're going to have an inexperienced signal caller because nobody really took any meaningful snaps under center. Uh, Burbank did miss a game, and he had a concussion. Um, but I think Baldwin took that one, and they really – it was the Bear River game, and they really didn't throw the ball. It was a physical, ugly game. And so they, they're going to have a new signal caller. They said their receivers two through six left, so they're going to have a bunch of new receivers that they have to work in as well. And really, that was the difference – in Mountain Crest games last year, is uh, they struggled to convert touchdowns. They also struggled to to uh, protect the ball a lot, despite the fact that they didn't really throw it a lot, and that was a challenge. And, and much like we heard Clint talk about yesterday with Bear River, the defense still statistically was very good. They got a lot of sacks. They're, they put a lot of pressure on opposing offenses, but they were out there a lot, and eventually they're just going to wear down. I think the most interesting thing, too, will be to watch in the non-region uh, play to see how they start, because they started slow last year. And I think a lot of people are like, oh boy, this might be a rough year. And then they went 5-1 and one in the region, losing only to Skyview. And they were kind of percentage points based on how the brackets fell in the last uh, week away from being a 10th spot, which would have given them a bye week. Instead, they finished 11th. And then they lost in the last second touchdown, I think, to Stansbury in week two of the playoffs. Yeah, so they, they kind of got some things going for them, the, the tail end. So hopefully they can use that to build on to what happens this year. But when you look at the schedule... This is a team that opens at home, and then they're away for the next three, four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a lot of games to start out at home in Hiram, but I guess that means they're going to have more games at the tail end of the season uh, to hopefully finish strong with uh, a more favorable home environment. Yeah, and that's going to be something to watch. Again, breaking a new quarterback, uh, they haven't announced. I think you'll have to wait until Friday to see who it is, and even then I wouldn't be surprised if they – Maybe you're still feeling it out early in the season. Uh, good to have the first one at home, but with a new quarterback and a lot of new pass catchers, I think it's going to be um, really interesting to see how the team responds. I expect them pretty stout defensively still, but I, I think it's easier when you have someone like Hunter Schroeder, who, I mean, uh, I, he, I think he carried the ball 40 times for like 250, almost 300 yards against Green Canyon oh in one of the gosh. ugliest games in the region last year. He basically single-handedly carried them through Green Canyon, and I think it's a lot easier for a team that struggles under center when you have that behind you. Um, and so replacing his 250 carries is going to be a big deal as well. 
So they open at home against Salem Hills, as we mentioned. Then they're on the road at Wasatch. Then there's a schedule change in the week three. Uh, they were along with uh, Green, or excuse me, with Skyview and Box Elder scheduled to play in this Rocky Mountain Rumble in Pocatello at the Holt Arena, but that's been changed. Idaho State has said we don't want any high school sports happening in our facilities. So, what do you know about that schedule change? Where is that game actually going to take place? So they're moving it up to uh, was it Rexburg, right? And it's a big one. I know we're talking about Mountain Crest, but I know uh, talking to Newbold, it's a big one for Skyview because I believe they play there twice in a row. So they're, they ought to be really familiar with the facilities the second time, I guess. Yeah, they don't play the same opponent in back-to-back weeks, but they play in the same location in back-to-back weeks. So they're up there, what is it, Friday, earlier game two, uh, I think a 4 o'clock start for that one. Yep. So uh, longer drive, earlier start, kind of a weird hiccup early on in the season. And, and back-to-back Bonnevilles. Uh, we talk about <laughs> Skyview and back-to-backs, uh, same locations at Madison High School. Uh, Logan plays, or excuse me, Mountain Crest plays Bonneville, Idaho, and then yeah. the following week they play Bonneville, Utah. Now, fun, quick little side story. Last year, uh, Mountain Crest, the basketball team, was up at the, uh, what is it, the, is it the Indian Classic up in Preston? And the Bonneville, Idaho team was there, and I was like, oh, Bonneville, because I, I covered them the year before, the Lakers. And I was like, wait, no. And I, I realized that I didn't know there were two different Bonnevilles, basically, in the same, that they all played each other, and I was... It was, it was just a funny, yeah, that's not stupid be coincidence. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, this is a, a, a Mountain Crest team that you know. Um, there's a lot of questions about them, uh, how well they're going to do. But how would you? We, we've been asking all the play-by-play announcers, just where do you see them in the midst of Region 11? So the coaches' preseason had them finished fourth. Which I think if you were to look on paper, I know last year they were up near the top because they brought a lot of experience back on defense. And I think on paper that makes sense. Um, Ridgeline, I think, is going to be interesting because they were so young last year. I think Skyview's still the class. But I think what's going to be interesting is if for some reason, two years in a row, I thought Green Canyon was going to get Mountain Crest both times. And uh, last year, Mountain Crest won an ugly one. I think the year before, Mountain Crest absolutely won killed Green Canyon at Green Canyon in a season that Green Canyon started off with that big win down at, uh, I think it was Pineview. Oh, yeah. they it was, it was a top five Class 4A team, I think, at the beginning of the season. And so Green Canyon's pegged in the preseason poll to finish second. I think it'll be something interesting to watch. I know Clint, he admits he's a little bit of a Bear River homer. He seems to think Bear River's in line for a bounce-back season with the experience they've got. Um, honestly, I don't. I wouldn't sleep on them. I thought last year, maybe it's some of the experience that came through too. It looked like they were really struggling in the non-conference, and then he went five and one in region. I thought with some good opponents, and so I think Coach Lee just knows how to navigate through a season. And I would expect, even with kind of an inexperienced roster, again five starters on both sides of the ball, they'll be there. I think top half. I think what'll help them is what we saw last year too. Region eleven seems to be generally good, which kind of helps those those rankings at the end of the season too. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, well, if, if folks do want to follow the Mustangs this year, assuming all the games do happen as they are scheduled, fingers crossed, fingers and toes and eyes crossed, uh, where do people normally find a, a Mountain Crest game on a Friday night? So on air, it's uh, 107.7. And then, uh, of course, you can go to Cash Valley Daily and find all the stream links, which makes it super easy as well. Just click on the local prep link under the sports section. Uh, who you can have as your color analyst? Matt Adams, a Mountain Crest graduate. Awesome. Speak of the devil, not Matt Adams, but speak of high school play-by-play. <laughs> we can we can refer to Craig Hislop as the devil sometimes, maybe. 
I started with him. That was my first break. I did Collar Firm for Green Canyon football my first year. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. I remember that. All right. Well, thanks, AJ. And uh, yes. hopefully this Mountain Crest team uh, finds some of those holes that get filled, and we'll see who the stars are that, that take advantage of the opportunity. I'm sure they'll find some. It seems like, again, if there's one thing you can be sure of, it's Mountain Crest is going to have a stingy defense. <laughs> and if you have that, you're going to be in a lot of games. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we'll talk about the Utah Jazz. Are they going to be in many games when it comes to playoff time? Who would you rather have them face? We'll look at the seeding situation right now in the NBA and what are the options or who they will play and really who is the best option for them when we get to the postseason. We'll talk about that next in the Full Court Press. This is Ryan at My Mattress. We all know some of the side effects of not sleeping well or forgetfulness, inability to focus, bad driving, hallucinations now and again. Does this sound familiar? City of Lewiston? Lewiston. We at My Mattress care about you and your well-being. Prove all the other cities wrong and show them that you do care about better sleep and buy a mattress at My Mattress. If you're sleep-deprived and can't remember where we're located, we're at 981 South Main by the South Walmart. Lewiston, isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? Show your school support with a customized face mask from Locker 42. Locker 42 has custom face masks in stock featuring Skyview, Mountain Crest, Logan, Ridgeline, Green Canyon, and Utah State. These $15 face masks are the best, and they look great. They're lightweight, washable, reusable, adjustable, and come in two sizes. Get your customized school face mask from either Locker 42 location, 1430 North Main, and 36 South Main. They can also supply you with hand sanitizer and wipe dispensers customized with your business or company logo. Locker 42. There's now more to explore at Loveland Living Planet Aquarium. Come see the new Rio Tinto Kennecott Plaza. Take in the impressive eco-structure up close. Embrace your curiosity and explore your connection to our living planet. All free with aquarium admission so you can get out of the house and explore the depths of the ocean to the deserts of Utah. Loveland Living Planet Aquarium, open daily. Reserve your visit at thelivingplanet.com. What are your summer plans? If you're like everyone else, your vacation plans have changed. This is Jarek from Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Were you planning on Hawaii, a cruise, a week in Europe? That's not happening. This summer can still be memorable. Put the money toward that dream diamond ring she's been wanting. Maybe your plans were just an inexpensive weekend somewhere. Instead, pick her out a pair of diamond stud earrings, maybe birthstone pendant or ring that will always put a smile on her face. This summer can still be memorable. Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Make it special, make it jealous. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Utah Jazz take on the San Antonio Spurs tomorrow afternoon at 4.30. We will have pregame coverage at 4.20 right here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. So a very abbreviated show tomorrow. And then the, the Jazz will take care of the rest of, the, of the, the time we would normally be on the air. So we'll see what happens with the Utah Jazz. Will it be similar to what happened last time when the Jazz throw a lot of the second, third string guys at the Spurs to try to secure a lower seed or will they view it as a last opportunity to fine-tune their rotations and play with a little bit of momentum going into the playoffs? It may really all depend on what happens tonight. Looking at the seeding situation in the NBA, uh, 
one game has already gone final, and this probably doesn't really help the Jazz. I don't know that Houston was really going to overtake Denver for the number three position. Right. But Houston loses today against the Pacers. James Harden put up 45 points in a losing effort, 17 rebounds and nine assists. Dang. But the Rockets lose 108 to 104. I mean, that team, we talked about the Suns a lot yesterday. Pacers have been just as hot in the oh, bubble. Uh, that uh, Warren kid? Yeah. Gosh, he's been on fire. Um, although I guess he didn't play today. I'm not seeing him in the uh, in the box score. Wow. But uh, James Harden went nuts. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of help from any other players. We did learn that Russell Westbrook is hurt, and he may miss some time. And uh, it's unknown when he would return. Hey, so what is it, quad injury, right? Yeah, it's quad. And so it could be in a few days. It could be in a couple of weeks. If it's a muscle injury, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty about return, timeline of return. Uh, does that change their seeding decisions also? <laughs> That's a good point. So you look at the standings right now. In the West, uh, the Clippers are number two, and they're a game and a half ahead of Denver. Big game tonight, right? Uh, but they yeah. play each other. Clippers and Denver, chance to shave. The, it's either pretty much what that would. If the Clippers win, it locks it up, and if the Nuggets win, they got a shot. They still have a shot. Uh, the Nuggets played the Lakers really tough the other day. Kyle Kuzma has a crazy shot to win it. Yeah. Uh, so and a Denver, ridiculous quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. What did he say? If if Jesus if, was in, if Jesus front of me, in front of me, I'd still, take, I'm that still shot. taking that shot. I liked uh, Kevin Durant's uh, response. He said, "I think I think Jesus gets the best of him, or something like that." Is what KD said. Yeah. I think he'd find a way. I think Jesus makes the stop. I think is what he said. Uh, the Nuggets and Clippers play tonight. It's on ESPN. Tips off at seven o'clock. Uh, could be interesting seating implications there in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, so two and three may still be some movement there, but really there's not any threat for anyone else to move up to that third seed. Right. Because one is locked in, looks like two and three is in a group, and then what, four through six is a group? Yes. Because the Mavericks are locked in, and then so they're seven. There was some question if the Dallas Mavericks continued to win and if the Jazz lost, the Jazz could slip down to seven. But uh, Dallas lost against Portland. Damian Lillard has just been insane his yes. last two games. Yes, he has. 51 points the other night, 61. Did you see that three he hit? Like it hit off the back of the rim and then went like 50 feet in the air. <laughs> and then it still went through. Like you hit that shot, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm hitting everything. Yeah, might as well chuck it up from yeah. whatever. So uh, with that win, actually, Portland has now officially moved into that eight spot. Memphis has slipped. Memphis has been really disappointing. In the I'm bubble. so surprised. I thought for sure they were locked for the plane at the beginning of the bubble. Um, Portland is at eight currently. Memphis and Phoenix are tied with the same uh, win percentage. San Antonio is right there in the mix as well. They're like one one hundredth of a percent uh, below Phoenix and and Memphis. So essentially, it's a three way tie there. So Phoenix or San Antonio, they're going to be motivated tomorrow. Yeah, okay, because that's really their their shot to still make that eight nine playoff or play in game. Yeah, because uh, so they get Dallas, and Dallas has nothing to play for, and then Portland's got Brooklyn, who's out, and then San Antonio because we got Utah, and then what? Where's Phoenix? Phoenix, and then yeah, so Portland's got Brooklyn. Phoenix has Dallas. 
and then they don't play neither any none of those teams play on Friday. And those are their last games. Yeah. So the question for Utah is how much do they really go at it in this game? Because there's a chance they could still move up to five. Yeah. Slim chance they could still move up to four. But that's uh, really pretty much out of the question. But do they want to be that five spot or do they want to be safe at six? Well, I guess the question is because the speculation been they don't want Houston, right? That's why they're trying to stay at six to get Denver. And looking at the – so they've played – the Thunder, the Rockets, and the Nuggets three times apiece, and they've played the the Nuggets closest. They haven't won a game, but they've all all three games have been decided by ten points, combined points, ten combined points. But I can tell you, I don't want any part of Denver. They were already deep. The two two of the stars that everyone's watching in the bubble are Michael Porter Jr. and Bol Bol. I don't want Denver. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, the thing with Denver is, that I think the, the Jazz lineup matches up really well with Denver. Uh, the, the thing with, with the Nuggets is Jamal Murray has only played in one game against the Jazz, and he looked really good, and that was the double overtime game just recently. Right. He w- didn't play in the previous two games. So having him in the mix is is a challenge for Utah. Um, but Gobert has played really well in every game against against Denver. Plus, who doesn't love that chippiness between him and Jokic? Come yes. on. Come on. But they have Denver has a way of closing out games and playing well in the clutch. Uh, in the first game they played this year, Jokic alone scored 11 of the last 12 games right. to lock it down for Denver. Right. And we saw the shot-making that Jamal Murray was doing in the overtimes to, to help them win. So Denver's a tough matchup. But I think lineup-wise, it makes some sense. But even if you look at Oklahoma City, that's a team with Chris Paul who's had his way with the Jazz. They, their other guards, whether it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Dennis Schroeder off the bench, have been murderous to the Jazz. Um, they have they won the opener against Oklahoma City, but they lost their other two. And those other two really weren't that close. No. I remember watching that the one that happened in December, and I thought, oh, the Jazz got this. And was I think they were up kind of big in that one in the second half, and then the Thunder just ran away with it. That one though, I think I think you would agree though. The Thunder just kudos to their season because most people are like, all right, straight to the lottery. Oh yeah, no uh, one saw them being in the place they are now. But I think this is this is the story of one of those teams who's it's just the coaching and the leadership has let them exceed expectations. They're just they don't have a ton of talent. They're just playing really well, and I feel like Chris Paul is obviously a star still. And I think there's something to him elevating his game. But usually as a Bulls fan, like under Thibodeau, that was their big problem, is that he had them running at full capacity uh, in the regular season and they'd get the one seed. But then when they got to play, they just didn't have another gear because they didn't have the talent. I think that might be the Thunder's problem. I agree. I, I think that, that there are some favorable matchups for Utah against Oklahoma City. Just they've been – it's been tough. Really, there's no real perfect matchup here for Utah, frankly. Does, does the fact that – that uh, Westbrook has an injury that may linger change that? Because it seems like they've been trying to avoid the Rockets. That, I think, is a recent factor. you got to be like, well, you know. I would like to think that, except for that game in late January when there was no James Harden. Eric Gordon went off for 50. The Jazz couldn't stop the system. It didn't matter who the player was. He just ran the same system, just plug a different player in there. The Jazz still couldn't figure it out. Oh, boy. Did he play today, by the way? Because he's been out. Gordon's been out in the bubble. Uh, I 
Let me check. Because I, I know, know they said did. they really they wanted to get him at least a game in before they went into the playoffs. He did not play today. So he's got only one more left. Interesting. Yeah, with Houston, when you look at that series, the Jazz beat him in, in the opener in, in the first game that they played. No, excuse me. that They lost that game, 126-117. to 117. They beat him in Houston on that last-second shot by Boyan Bogdanovich. And then they shot. lost just shortly after that uh, against uh, Houston again by 10 points. And James Harden just went nuts, 38-5-7. and seven. Who do you think losing uh, Boyan is the most detrimental out of these three? Who do you think he makes the biggest difference, the, the Thunder, the Rockets, and the Nuggets? Houston. Yeah. I think if the Jazz are facing Houston, they will miss not having Boyan the most. I think the others, they can f- kind of fudge the, the, the roster with the bench, but not having Boyan against Houston, not having a shot maker that can hit threes, that's probably the biggest challenge. So then I guess the last decision is, you're Quinn Snyder, who do you want to play? 